and welcome to another episode of SayPod. I am your host Stephanie Timmy and today I am joined with two experts, um, Sophie as well as a Temi and they're going to be talking about an important topic that is important to me um, as someone who's Nigerian and they're also Nigerian as well but as we know with the whole NSAS movement for those who may not you know having previewed to know what's going on NSAS is a campaign against police brutality in Nigeria and if you see in our Instagram on Sadia as well as our upcoming newsletter we talk about how we're a support of the movement we believe that no life should be lost unfortunately last week Tuesday we saw the senseless killings of Nigerians and it was haunting for both me as well as other Nigerians and other people around the world. And today we're going to be discussing about how do we as online protesters, as people both in the diaspora and those in Nigeria, how do we campaign as well as protecting our privacy online? I think one incident we've seen is with the whole feminist coalition and the amazing work that they have done so far is that they had to switch to Bitcoin to, you know, be able to get funds because the government was able to kind of shut down their bank accounts so we definitely do want to discuss these things um but before i continue talking about um what's going on i want my speakers to introduce themselves so i'm going to start with a temi do you want to go first uh oh well okay so hi hi everyone uh thanks for having me on this podcast uh, so I'm Aitemi, Aitemi Bidule, uh, I'm a security engineer, a security researcher. Yeah, I like to hack stuff, break stuff, uh, fix stuff. Uh, I enjoy talking about security, uh, enjoy doing security research, uh, finding vulnerabilities, helping people to report vulnerabilities, uh, pretty much that. Thank you very much, Aitemi. Um, Sophie, would you like to reintroduce yourself to our members who already know you so well? <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi, my name is Sophina. Um, yeah, Sophina. So I am a security analyst and also the co-founder of She Secures. I really am just like an advocate for security or staying safe online. I'm an advocate for human rights and digital rights. I enjoy enjoy being online i enjoy helping people stay safe online and just sharing my awareness and stuff the best way i can through various platforms uh enjoy fixing things as well so i'm looking for bugs or vulnerabilities identifying them and finding ways to fix them too i enjoy sharing the things i find as well through blogs or whatever available platforms out there and really just being me at the other times or the other hours i enjoy being myself so yeah that was like a recap of who i am thank you so much sophie and i think to add as well she secures have done an amazing job um if you go to their instagram you can see infographics that they have put forward to also help protesters during this time so i'm going to start with um i guess my first question especially for those who may not be nigerian is what are your thoughts on the social movement and SARS? So I'm going to go with you um, first, Sophie, because you went last last time. Okay, uh, what are my thoughts? 
Yeah, mixed. Like I have, like I think I have like mixed thoughts or mixed feelings or everything. But the first one I'll start with being the fact that it's been. We all kind of agree to the fact that it's been revolutionary. No matter what anybody says, it's been historical. It's been, it's been like an awakening from the 8th of October down to like this moment right now. It's been a new sort of wave that has been happening. It's felt like suddenly we've had like some whole. I don't know, beam or beak or whatever taking off our eyes and we've just suddenly woken up and seeing everything happening right now. It feels like Nigerians are deciding or choosing to rewrite their history or rewrite the narrative that they've lived by or they've constantly been reminded for the past, for the past 60 years. And absolutely, it's beyond remarkable. It's it's great to see how literally it started with like just people thinking that oh, it's just going to be like a normal protest. We just come out and by the next day, they'll shut us up and we go back inside to our houses and continue our normal lives. But it became like a global movement and me being alive to see it and partaking in it, even if it's just online or retweeting or saying things to people and how they could just share their own stories and be part of the movement, it's powerful. And yeah, really, it's become, it's it's been, it's amazing and seeing everybody being united irrespective of our differences, irrespective of our backgrounds or the culture that we believe in or the ideologies that we've grown to like be part of all this past all these past years it's it's amazing and whether you've been on the front line whether you've been online when sharing like news about it or spreading awareness or donating or even in, on, in church praying it's 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 great well another thing well, i'll probably I'll, that's the part where i say it's like a mixed emotion where i disagree is like it's not just an NSAS movement so NSAS is probably just a trigger for what's we wanted to happen it's it's been like a whole bad infrastructure bad system that we were tired of seeing and we just had to like you know when you've gotten to the the, the the what the break point and you know you can't take the water any longer it has to just just bust out of the container all of a sudden so it's like well we've gotten to that point and we now we know that it's way bigger than SARS we know that it's way bigger than the government we know that it's bigger than whatever protests they thought it was just going to last for a day mm-hmm. and it never it was never expected but seeing where it's going to where it's headed right now in a global way I, I think I'm just going to say I'm proud and I'm happy I'm being a part of it and I'm, I'm actually seeing that happening right now so yeah, it's it's revolutionary. <laughs> it's it's just it's just that those are just the words I have. No, I definitely agree with you, and I think even me, as someone in diaspora, I think for the first time it felt like things were changing because you know when we talk about Nigeria, I don't know with my parents or like the older generation, it's more like this has always happened, you know this is the status quo and seeing that for once we're able to say actually no enough is enough I think that was so yeah in my in my head it gave me hope it made me want to research more want to learn more um and I think in even in regards to like identity um, topics for those who are Nigerian here it kind of made us want to learn more about where we come from as well so Ayutemi like what's your view on um the NSARS movement uh, well, so I think uh, initially NSAR started just as a movement to voice out displeasure uh, about police brutality. Uh, yeah, particularly about the SARS units, the uh, special robbery squad units, uh, units that was known, that's known for brutality, uh, extortion, and killings, the uh, extrajudicial killings, right? So it started started on Twitter as conversations 
uh, I think spanning back to 2017, yeah, because in 2017 there were there was incest protests uh, in a couple of places in Ibadan, Lagos, I think in Abuja, 2017. So yeah, it's been a series of conversations over the years talking about political brutality. But what we've seen in the last three weeks has been just more than has been more than just conversations about political brutality. So it's been uh, youths who are tired of having to uh, bear the brunt of government's uh, inefficiency. Youths who are tired of police brutality, who are tired of bad governance, who are tired of seeing things not working, right? All coming together with one voice in a decentralized movement to speak against all these things. So people eating the streets, yes, uh, symbolically it's about answers, right? And then, but that's just a start. And afterwards, uh, we'll go on to talking about other things, bad governance, uh, salary cuts for legislatives and all other things, right? Uh, it's been pretty interesting in terms uh, last couple of weeks. I've seen from just uh, 56 people, I think, mm-hmm. who did initial protests at Alausa uh, October 8th, stepped over, uh, turning up to something where we have protests eventually in major city across the world right now. Uh, so today, I know uh, I that today there was protest in Hungary, there was uh, in, Buda, in Hungary, uh, in Czech Republic, mm-hmm. in Dublin, in Berlin, multiple cities across the world. There's been protests. The protests are no longer happening in Nigeria. So the government has said uh, people should get out of the streets. There's a curfew, which came, across, uh, came as a result of the senseless killings that happened on uh, Tuesday, Black Tuesday, 28th of October. Uh, yeah, so even though people are no longer protesting in the streets in Nigeria, people across the world, Nigerians and other people across the world are lending their voice to the campaign, protesting, uh, making sure the world hears what's happening in Nigeria about police brutality. So, yeah, I'll say, I'll say so far, it's been great to see Nigerian youths step up. Uh, yeah, I think there's a popular quote that's been going around social media with you no know, inheritance so far. Uh, and their, of our parents, right? Yeah. Everybody is now talking. Uh, Gen Z folks are even speaking louder than before. Uh, I think it's we, we can bear a drug semblance to what happened with uh, US uh, campaigns when TikTokers because <laughs> they campaign, they campaign, they campaign uh, to. To fall apart. I can't. I, I'm trying to remember exact details, but I know they got people not to go for a particular campaign. Yeah, he was. He called for his campaign, and rather than if they, they paid and then they decided oh, that insisted, and all the TikTokers didn't appear for that. And yeah. Trump was curious. All the kids, they think an hour to the comp- to the campaign, they asked for reforms, and essentially nobody showed up for the campaign for the campaign. Right, so we've seen the power of Gen Z people across social media. Mm. Uh, voices have been amplified across multiple media, so Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, even TikTok. Right, we've seen everybody in one way or other letting their voice be heard, and this uh, movement has even transitioned from social media to traditional media. Uh, initially, there was no coverage on traditional media, so yeah, uh, uh, newspapers. Been moving with their own agenda for a long time. 
till just say the past two, three days, they've actively been covering the movements. Uh, we've seen effective use of WhatsApp. So Gen Z people who do not do VCs on WhatsApp now are effectively using WhatsApp to combat disinformation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we've seen we've seen interesting a lot of interesting things uh, spun up from these movements, mm-hmm. right? And frankly, things are not going to be uh, go back to how it was before. People are going to people are going to just continuously demand for what is right, demand for good governance, demand for efficiency across the board. Yeah, pretty much that. No, I agree with you. And I think to be fair, even going back to your point on social media and WhatsApp and fake news, um, Sophie, like I know I know you've seen like with the whole Instagram flagging the pictures up saying that it's fake news. <laughs> and even though it's like the article did not even correlate with the with the picture. So in in your what is your view because i feel like with the movement from what i've seen is that twitter was very on board even jack you know the founder of twitter like he created our own special ensas like hands and stuff like that but with the other social media where gen z's may not be there like you said aitemi with like um gen z's not being really much on whatsapp or even facebook where the baby boomers are um, what do you think of the role of social media has played and what do you think are the different dynamics of everything? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to agree with you that if you had been for social media, I don't think we would have gotten as much coverage of this movement as we are having right now. So, you know, respect of how we want to say that, oh, sometimes social media has its cons, it has its own bad part and everything. We still have it to be thankful for. It's like it's like a true blessing in, in respect of everything that's happening. It's sort of yeah. So this is where we have the whole misinformation and disinformation thing coming into play. We have the news. Everybody's trying to like push the word out there. Everybody's trying to like create awareness. Everybody's trying to like do campaigns. So you got to know what NSAS is about and everything. But we also know that it's done like more good than the fact that they are still bad eggs who are trying to spread fake news and spread the like false information and everything going on there. So because of like we can say that because of social media we can actively like kick off the protest. Instead of if somebody was tweeting that oh we're gonna have a protest in Alausa, are you guys in or are you guys down? And then the person was like, oh yeah, let's start everybody if you're going to come for the protest, come. That was just because of a single tweet. And it wouldn't have gotten the kind of coverage that it did if somebody else was not retweeting it or sharing it across their own timelines and across other like social media platforms, Facebook and every other thing. So it's also because of that we have organizations like Feminist Coalition. I am mm-hmm. really aware that not all their members or all the founders are all in the same country at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, but see how much they were able to like achieve because they had like social media, they were able to like do the accountability, they were able to come together with their different plans and set up the organization, get lawyers. I'm sh- definitely sure not all lawyers were, <laughs> were all in the same state. <laughs> but we still have to really thank for the fact that they were able to pull all these emergency units and lawyers and releasing people from the police station and bailing them out as well, or even getting to like response units on time, getting funds dispersed on time. So it meant I also like it's 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 a good thing and then it still has its bad it's it still has like the cons and everything happening. We have the the opportunities that's created for us is definitely outweighs the outweighs the cons in respect to what we think. It's uh it's but it still leaves me wondering like okay for 
the past years now what if things that we have not been able to capture on social media what has happened to them because definitely yeah. we're like if this wasn't captured in real time there are definitely like one million stories that we're not saying that the, the, the what they call it, traditional media is definitely not been telling us the truth because right now we see things that are actually real and then they tell us that okay no it's fake it's photoshopped it's this it's that like well, we just saw this life happening on live TV. Yeah. So you, it, it, it makes me scared. Like, they're like, there are definitely stories that they've, they've been telling us that have been lies. Mm-hmm. There are definitely stories that our medias have actually put in our mind to pass on to us because they feel like, oh, well, they, they wouldn't know if it's real or not. Just tell them that it's not true and we'll just move ahead with it. So they'll sweep everything under the under the carpet and be like, oh, well, nobody was there to prove it. But now it's like everybody's tweeting up. You're, you're doing maybe your Periscope, you're doing like IG live TV or your Facebook live or you're doing something so there's really no reason for you to say that oh that has been tampered with or that has been doctored or anything because it's actually real and yeah so it's it's and then you you now have people who are actually not on social media so that was about how do we come in if I, I think i saw some youtubers like going around with flyers and trying to like disseminate information and to like oh this is why the youths are protesting this is why they are doing this I, I saw a couple of people who were like in lagos and i think in joss or so mm-hmm. carrying like some certain flyers around and being like okay this is yeah. why the youths are doing this and this is why they have been protesting for the past couple of days this is what you need to know about them so that's where the whole balance comes in so, so those who are not able to like, access whatsapp or those who are not able to access twitter or are not able to access instagram it is the duty for every other youth out there who has like who can speak to people in the language that they understand maybe break it down in outside Igbo or in Europa to like send them pa- pamphlets or just translate it in an audio tip for them maybe blast it through the radio me- the radio stations or so yeah. get them to listen through different other platforms because if you don't tell the truth they will they will lie to you every single day it's like a real tape being played every single day. we wake up every morning and there's a new episode of Nigeria on air I'm you like I feel like today I saw the one about the cam the camcorder and I was like I was like what is going on like and the thing is we all saw them remove the CCTV and 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 I think that's quite interesting with what you said about the mixture of not only having like the social movement but also that being translated into physical physical movement as well um I would say like I know like the answer to this question I think for me when it in regards to like what I think the biggest pitfalls of the social movement would be I think it would be Tuesday last week and the fact that when that happened the shock because I just remember I came home and I was literally crying I was crying because it, it, it just I don't know I felt it so deep like I was the one there because I just couldn't understand how they could just lay um lay bullets on peaceful protesters who were singing the national anthem and holding flags but i think what other mistakes because obviously i don't even think that was a mistake because it wasn't really our fault it was the government but in your words or in your i guess opinion Ayutemi, what do you think we could have done better do you think there's anything or you think we did our best uh so i think i think uh for instance which degrees uh, considering that everything was highly centralized, mm-hmm. uh, protests were happening simultaneously in multiple cities. Uh, the only thing that seemed like a form of organization was family school coming coming up to handle uh, funds, donation, and money disbursements. That's the only semblance of organization in the whole international movement. Everything that happened decentralized. Uh, so people 
just get up and decide okay today we're going to protest Yaba and when when we're we so three are gathered for that people joining so pretty much that's how protests happened across the country we have protests in many many cities uh, across states so i think at some point someone someone just tweeted uh can we can we do a protest in berlin and other people joined in oh yes i would love i would love to join in protest what, what it will be and that's how it happened right mm-hmm. so everything happened on the fly happened in real time uh we have on social media we're able to see uh half, half proof of the protests and atrocities being committed in real time right yeah so uh, if, you, if you make comparisons to other protests that have happened uh, say something like alimos go uh, that happened i can't remember the exact year it happened uh but in the 90s right when that happened people had to send com- uh, communication from one school to another so they had to send a messenger uh to try or try to make phone calls right and communication was not happening in real time so a lot of things were stunted mm. but in this case things happened in real time uh yeah a lot of crowdsourced crowdsourced evidence crowdsourced information uh so when people were analyzing videos so let's say taking the kissing points when someone posted a picture on twitter and said oh that they're taking down cameras at Lekito uh, Plaza, mm, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, immediately went to check. Yeah, someone looked at the logo on the uh, protective view the man was wearing and was able to suffer that it was LCC. So we yeah, stopped LCC, the company managing it all. Uh, someone else went to look up the kind of cameras to verify the kind of cameras that was going to come down. And that person called a friend who was at the test ground to take more pictures. So yeah, people were crowdsourcing information in real time. Mm. So for people with zero protest experience, because majority of people who protested here, we never, they didn't even participate in Occupy Nigeria, which was 2012. Mm. Right? It was the last major protest that happened in Nigeria. So between 2012 and now, most people there were probably in secondary school or still in primary schools then when Occupy Nigeria happened. Most of the people who see uh, 21-year-olds, 19-year-olds championing because right, most of the people were still kids then. So going by that fact, did they, this pretty much pretty much well for first-time protesters. Yeah, I think maybe what could have happened better, what could have happened better, uh, well, lots of fact-checking. Mm. So if information was fact-checked in real time. Things would have gone because a lot, a lot of confusion, a lot of the misinformation that came up on Twitter was as a result of uh, people not fact checking. So, someone posted a picture from, I think, from a protest in Hidugu about a particular lady, and then uh, she was crying, I think she was crying, uh, refused to unfold, uh, unfold the flag. And people came up with multiple stories about her. And the story that stopped was that uh, three of her brothers were killed by SARS on one night, they came back oh, to Nigeria. Yeah, and then she was molested by a SAS official and she's going to uh, possibly going to jail. She has a case in court. That was the story that came up on Twitter. Everybody stuck with that story, right? And then it took about three or four days before a journalist found a way to reach out to her and verify the story and came back. But then the verification of the story didn't even trend as much as the initial story. Yeah. So yeah, if we had mechanisms to fact check information in real time. Things would have been better. People would have been more focused because uh, when that when when the information came about that story, it brought about a little bit of distraction. So people were like, "Where well, if people are carrying false news about what happened or what did not happen, how do we know if 
all the other recorded information has been true. Mm-hmm. All the I said this happened to me. It's just me saying it's no form of verification, right? Yeah. So it is. Uh, I think as a way of a way of uh, stopping that, uh, kind of stop gap. Some researchers came up. I don't know who they are, but the person they handle, I think, Insas fact check on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. They were fact-checking every information. So if if a particular tweet starts trending, someone posts a video, say, I think when they posted a video of a, a mall in, uh, is it Ocean State or so, or I think, that was being destroyed, right? Uh, the APC UK handle posted a video. And most people were saying, oh, no, this is fake news. This was a video from two years ago, right? Uh, the handle went behind the scenes, called people in that particular location, this verification, I think I said, oh, this is actually a genuine video, that this happened in so and so more. People of the owners of those shops verify the information. Uh, so if we had more sources, more, more, more handles or more entities, individuals, we're doing fact checking real time. Yeah. Things would have gone a lot better. Yeah. They would have been better to combat misinformation and keep the movements as a whole and not disjointed. It's the kind of strength that misinformation causes. Yeah, so I think that's, that would have helped things to go better. No, I, I agree with you. I think even for me, I was being sent videos. I think there was one video of um, Obasanjo in the airport, that Obasanjo is leaving, leaving the country. And then there was another one with um, people saying that they found Tinubu, but it, it said France, France but it looked like UK. Um, so, no, what you said about like that is... I think is really key hit on the head um i see that yummy has joined us yummy do you want to say hello okay hey. hi good evening good evening welcome 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 um so right Thank now you. good evening everyone hi yummy. we're yeah. we're still kind of like discussing um Kind of like social media and fake news but do you want to introduce yourself to our audience um i think my name is yomi um i think that's all yeah <laughs> okay i'm just this it guy um an ethical hacker mm-hmm. a programmer <laughs> basically just this it guy somewhere in the north Thank you so much. So since you've just joined us, I think the question I'm going to ask you is what do you think were like the potential risks for protesters? So like both online and both offline. With this whole EdSAS movement, like what do I didn't you get that. So what do you think are like the cybersecurity risks for protesters, both online and offline? So maybe an example could be some people who might put their geotag or not download VPN and because of that they might be um, surveyed by the government and stuff like that so what what are your thoughts on that okay um, I think I at the beginning of the protest I had to call a few friends and tell them put off your locations mm-hmm. download a VPN show your locations as China or somewhere or somewhere especially in Kaduna states because um, from last week, silently people have been picked, and especially people who were trending the NSAS, and then they had to do a protest when Buhari came to Kaduna State. Mm-hmm. And then most of the leaders of that protest have been picked. We don't know whether they've been killed or something. So 
um, too much information was out there. And I think it was too risky, even for the government. And in the dark web, so much information was being given out. At that point, because nobody was paying attention to the banks or to other things, mm-hmm. other sectors, banks were being hacked, accounts were being cancelled. And so it didn't really trend because people were paying so much attention to the protest. Okay. And yeah, so I think in the dark web, it was just a time for people to, they were all discussing how they were able to still take money from banks. And then these banks won't be able to come out to say money were missing or money got missing, or they were hacked because they know they would lose. So um, there are people who took money from each account, 50, 50 naira from each account, especially from Access and GT Bank, and then it didn't trend and I was shocked. Uh-huh. Yeah, to be fair, I did actually hear about the GT Bank one because my aunt sent me um, stuff to kind of like ask me questions. But what I just want to kind of like clarify something. So the banks that were being hacked, was that no, was that the protesters' bank account that were being hacked, or is it just normal Nigerian citizens? No, not the protesters. Right? It was basically for like that way boys just want to make money or make a name. In as much as some of the government officials reached out to some hackers and asked, okay, can we, can you help us hack the Twitter accounts of those prominent people, like the influencers, a few names were mentioned, mm. if their Twitter accounts were, but then I've never seen the hacking community um, come together that much since I started hacking like four years. And then everybody, you're like, no we are in for you people we are coming for you people so for most of the accounts that we're taking was basically for the government okay and the politicians all right that's that's good to know and i think even going back to your point about putting too much information i'm going to come back to you sophie because i know that we've done a podcast on oversharing so do you think that because I feel like when we're doing protests, you know, you're not really thinking, especially if it's online protests, you're not really thinking about the consequences. Your your focus is, you know, I want to get the voice heard. I want people to be aware of this. So doing a social movement, how can we not overshare? <laughs> okay, basically. Um... Yummy, right? Okay. No, I was, um, I was asking Sophie, but Yummy can talk and then Sophie will okay. speak. No, I think let's have to. Uh, yeah. All right, Sophie, women, ladies first, it seems. Uh, okay, how do we not overshare things? Hmm. Ah, uh, well, I think it still has to, like, it still ties back to, like, sorry, just one sec. Uh, uh, I'm just distracted with the messages that are popping up on the screen. Uh, A to B, okay. So I'll say, uh, first of all, for someone who's not going to share it, if you're not going to share stuff, try to put your account, like maybe restrict your account to people who who you just follow, like maybe very close people, first of all, like maybe put your account on private during the time of this protest that maybe you know that maybe things are going to go very haywire very soon and maybe somebody might retweet something you might know you didn't mean or you just want to keep it within your close circle or you might have some certain opinions that might not agree with somebody else and you just don't want to like just give out that same information and mistakenly share something that you might not have wanted to share so perhaps by restricting your account to like 
private during throughout the time of the, of the protest. You also want to sort of like try to just verify things before you put it out there. Sometimes I, I saw recently that Twitter has this, um, this um, what they call it, the retweets button right now. It's been, yeah. The feature has been sort of enhanced because they are trying to also restrict this disinformation from spreading. And the fact that the election, US election is also very close. So they're trying to like mention that people don't just go and start resharing things without checking that it's actually valid or it's actually authentic. So I think that was a good move by from, uh, from what call it from Twitter. And also, when you're trying to like, don't, when it comes to not resharing things, uh, what else, what else? Try to puts your, what do you call it, putting your, we, we also have the geolocation thing that we talked about. You don't want to give everybody your information. Yes, you are a protest and everything, but you don't want everybody to know like where your particular location is. So if you are lucky to get, for instance, and maybe you're sharing a, a photo or something, you want to turn of the, maybe you're checking at that particular point in time and you want to just restrict it to maybe just showing your image or having your faces, maybe your identity and your, maybe your, your maybe any tattoo or anything about yourself that might incriminate you. Because definitely people who are out to get you also on social media, they are definitely going to be stalking and checking your hashtags for instance and seeing live videos that are being posted every two seconds or seeing every picture that have been posted every two seconds. So they are also checking out to see oh, okay, we saw that there are protesters here or we can, who, who would try to set up if they see that or you're posting something and you, sh- you share your face or you're taking a selfie i saw the post about guardian also that was saying oh we should send their images to guardian i'm like are you people crazy the whole idea of being a protest for you to sh- hide your identity why would i want to put myself in front of you and show my a, a selfie photo a selfie video and be like oh yeah this is me at the protest ground why would i do that so if police starts harassing people they'll start from me first no <laughs> so those are like things that i think those are just like basic things you want to cover your face you want to cover your even with the mask thing going on have like your whole glasses or things cover your tattoos or just try to like not put things out there that you wouldn't want anybody else to see um i, I also i think i also wanted to mention the fact that in, like some certain potential risks that the protesters usually face uh, another thing is also cyberbullying. so you post something and then people like try to like ensure that oh they've agreed they, somebody might not agree with you the people the government officials or whoever will try to put fear in you and maybe tell you to like put it down or this is on, like what they're actually trying to do just switch right now where they're being like oh okay your, your story doesn't make sense it was photoshopped it was this they will try to bully you into rebut or recount in your statement or whatever you had actually said before you see media suppression as well so this is like from the likes of facebook and maybe instagram flagging off your post like you already did to us we all saw what we saw on that night of the 20th yeah. we all saw the blood on the flag so when imagine if we had just swallowed it and been like oh instagram has flagged my post as as a um, call it as fake as fake news so i'll just go and delete my post that's the decent evidence the only thing that you have against the government or whatever if you say if you claim that it's fake instagram wouldn't know what whatever algorithm that they have been spinning up right now by their developers it's somebody else building it so if you are you actually don't want to be like oh this is actually this is not fake it's real if you start if like three thousand people or three million people actually say that it's not fake they will definitely change the algorithm and they will never flag a post like that anymore so you see people like instagram and facebook trying to like bully people into silence through the fact that they have fact-checking algorithms which we know that they are not always accurate you see cyber attack you see the cyber war that is being spinned by the government as well 
those are things that we never envisaged. We, never, we didn't think that they would actually start creating false news or paying influencers to send images online and being like, oh, these are actually fake images that they had maybe posted in October or they are, sorry, they are posted like months back. Mm. But now because everything is happening, people are just posting based on their emotions. You see everybody retweeting it and it's going viral and then coming out to say, oh, you see, if they didn't actually verify it, it's like what ATMI had said earlier. Like, there was no fact checking. You can't do like a reverse image search or stuff like that to actually check if this is a fake. Then for protesters offline, uh, we have like the risk of getting harassed, we have like the risk of deaths. Mm. We, we know the bullets, bullets wouldn't, when a bullet hits you, it's either one thing, either you get injured or you die. That's one, you can't, you just have to do whatever you can to protect yourself. You have been people kidnapping, there are like thousands of stories of people this past week that have been kidnapped and they are missing or we can't even find out about them because nobody, there's no database of people who are already existing in Nigeria. We don't know who is missing, we don't know where to find them. You have devices getting stolen or confiscated as well. You have people deleting your photos. So as even you take a photo, as even they found out the person who took that, if there was nobody taking that video of what happened on the 20th, I'm sure they would have, if they had a face to put it to that particular video, they would have asked the person to delete it. I would have known what happened on that same night. So I think those are like, really like, what they call it? <sighs> High risk or potential risk for the people who are offline and online at the same time and probably just do what we can. And so oversharing as well, try not to do so much and keep your identity safe restrict your accounts people who are just very close to you and keep your opinions to people that you trust and if you're not sure of something you're sure you think it's going to incite violence or incite fear in people then maybe just just don't post it at that particular time no i agree and i think also with what you said about restricting like if you know that your let's say like your tweet or something has gone viral and you have pictures of your family delete it (laughs) you know you you don't you don't want people to be able to find out any information um from you so i'm gonna go back to yummy because i know you had some points so do you have anything to add to what has been said on like the issues okay um she's right i oversharing see the internet how it works Mm -hmm. you never forget there's always an archive not everybody know though that there's always an archive and then yes you shouldn't if you are protesting on the ground you shouldn't it's it's not like um, the guardian asking for your pictures is basically the government asking to know who was at the protest mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't because it was just a suggestion made i was shocked that it came out during the day but it was just suggested in the night like nights before that okay what if we ask for pictures so we can put on our newspapers or on TV as those who are doing, they were trying to get a leader, they were trying to get someone who is leading this protest. And they couldn't find anyone. And um, they could bully you. There were times where, okay, I don't know if I should say say this right here. There was literally a payment for $500,000 if anybody that can take away every single video from the internet that happened on the 20th. Hmm. That's interesting. Right? <laughs> Let me go and take that b- bouncy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> but you know... I'll make what's me to do it. <laughs> the thing, it's not... To be fair, sorry, before you continue, Yami, it's not even... You know why it's not even possible? It's not possible because DJ Switch actually did a live Insta video. 
Yeah. I, I, I have my own recording as well. I case they own those. In case they tell me like from the server. I saved it uh, from YouTube as well because I don't. I don't. I even posted like the army stuff on my Instagram because I, I don't really be trusting anyone at this point. But but continue, Yummy. <laughs> okay, so um, nobody could. Nobody. They were like, okay, see, it's not. It's a different thing if someone just posted this video on their Twitter feed. We can hack that Twitter account, take it down. Once you take it down, everybody who has retweeted, it just shows this tweet is no longer available. So it's gone. But right now, people have recordings. People have um, done whatever they wanted to do. People have shared. And so it's not, even if it's possible, we are not going to do it. And then it's not everything that happened that was done by Anonymous, to be sincere. Is it the Nigerian Anonymous <laughs> or the Alausa Anonymous? <laughs> like, oh, Anonymous? Okay, truthfully, the real Anonymous actually got in contact that um, what should we do? But then that was just a time for Nigerian and African hackers to show we can also do something. It's very easy to take down a website. It's easy to take down a social media account. But uh, they couldn't do the whole stuff of sharing money doing all of that, that government was going to send that money back. And then if you make a tweet, especially when you, you think your opinion is definitely against the government, I, before you do that, I advise people, make sure you open a burner account. Open an account without a face. Open a new Gmail because we can always track a Gmail back to the phone number. When you open a Gmail account, it's you are being sincere. When you open an iCloud account, you are being yourself because you don't know what to, you are going to do with the account later. And so you use your name, use your real name, use your your face, use all your information. It has, the iCloud has all your social media. The Google Gmail has your contact, it saves your pictures. So all of that can be, can be seen. So I advise people, open a new Gmail, open a new account. Twitter is easy to open. Say your mind. Say whatever you have to say. Even if you are going to, um, if you want people to get, like so many people to get, um, uh, if you are going to get, if you want so many people to see, you should be able to maybe tag a few people and tag yourself along too. Then retweet it from your own page. That way it could get um, people. But I think... I think so many people did the mistake of sharing quite a lot, and it's yeah, not. That is bad upset. That is very very bad upset. Ah. So, if you if you if you if you're creating your personal account, it should be totally totally isolated from your personal account. Your personal account should not retweet it in any way. Should not have interactions in any way. Because if you use your personal account to even view your personal account, they can now see that you. Authority to match them as similar uh, accounts. So you don't want to if I'm opening, and then I, I make a tweet. No, I'm not yeah. going to follow it. Of course, I'm just saying if you want people to get to see what you tweet, you can you can you can yeah. literally tag people. Yeah. So if if I'm an investigator, right, I'm investigating one at a time, which I do all the time, right. So I have a lot of people who followed me in the past two weeks who just created accounts in October 2020, and I have a lot of them in, in the lists. I'm going to tell them later on Twitter. But half of them in the list, right? <laughs> you have been those accounts. First thing I look at for is the first 10 or 15 accounts they followed. The first 10 or 15 accounts following them, 
the first 10 or 15 tweets they liked, first 10 or 15 tweets that they retweeted, right? That would give me, I'll be able to do it and draw a map, a relationship map. Yeah. Between these accounts. So you don't want your personal accounts in any way involved your personal accounts. Okay. You can, if you want, if you want amplification, you can mention a very popular Twitter account or this thing, or a, a celebrity or influencer that you know will find it. For example, Sub Delivery Man uh, or Sub Delivery Zone. Which, which one is the new one now? I think it's Post, post Delivery Post of Man. Post, post of Man. I've gone through several iterations. But yeah, an account like that that you use a gossip account, you can mention that kind of accounts because you. You can mention celebrity accounts, influencer accounts, that is the you tweet, but not your personal accounts. <laughs> like you won't full deniability if it gets to that. Right? So both accounts should be totally isolated. Okay. I like the two different and three different perspectives that we have going on. So I think I will just quickly go to like, um, I want everyone to give me one minute answer. <laughs> What do you? What is your views on cypherpunk, and do you think it can be applicable in Nigeria in regards to this social movement? If anyone doesn't know what cypherpunk is, it's <laughs> it's basically advocating for like an, an increase in um, cryptography and privacy enhanced technology. So. Again, kind of like going back to the point with like Bitcoin being used as a way to get funds and to hide, um, yeah, basically hide it from the government because it's encrypted. So do you think right now as the tech community at large, do you think we should be trying to develop more encrypted tools that people can use for this protest? Yeah, I, I, okay, let me just, I'm probably just going, my experience going very short and brief. Yes, definitely, I think that it's, like, it certainly can be applicable to, in Nigeria, because we, we know for sure that whatever is, I don't know, whatever is happening right now, we know for sure that it's not going to be an easy task, because not everybody is online, not everybody has access to a smartphone or to devices that can do that. In fact, we're just maybe very few people who have access to that, doesn't mean that that's the entire population of people who can use it. So, and what well, we also, for those who are on it or who have access to it, we know that the government and I say a ton of all those corporate organizations when, are never going to give us the privacy that we deserve or the privacy that we need to carry out this movement. And we have to, there are times where we have to like discuss things in, like in confidential, in having, having confidentiality and integrity and everything in privacy in mind. Mm-hmm. We are things where we start planning our strategy. Everybody's talking about, oh, let's start planning for 2023. Let's start planning for the election. Let's start planning for what's going to happen in three years or four years from now. But we definitely cannot be doing it on Twitter or we can't be doing it on WhatsApp either. So that's why we have like, we have, what do you call it? We have different people who have like come up with solutions or come up with these two like signal messengers and things that are like highly or highly encrypted and you have like very secure RSC or PGPs already enabled on them. So it's not like you, you try to now build your own cryptography tool or you try to build your own um, secure messenger. It's like, it's already out there. All you probably just have started trying to do is how to get the awareness out to people who are already currently just relying on, let's say Facebook Messenger or currently relying on SMS. I don't think people use SMS anymore, do they? But people are like currently <laughs> relying on texting and WhatsApp and everything. Like you just have to get the awareness in terms of bringing them over on board to like using 
encrypted messenger. So there's signal, there's wire as well. Signal, white, white signal, because it has like very text. They use like their text secure protocol and it has pre-keys already. You have like digital handshake, if Hellman, like tons of all the cryptographic algorithms that you can ever imagine already being incorporated into it. But the whole thing you probably have to challenge more is how to get the awareness to people, how to get enough and you get people on board. How do you start enlightening them that, oh, WhatsApp is not easy because they, you know, like all their family members are on WhatsApp. Who are those that are going to be using the signal messenger? How do we get them to migrate when they have this entire contact on WhatsApp messenger? It's it's going to be like a whole pattern. Yes, WhatsApp is encrypted. I know, like, boy, I don't, I don't trust Mark. <laughs> I don't, to be fair, from what happened with Instagram, I don't trust Mark either. But <laughs> you see him coming out for us during the NSAS process. No, we didn't see him coming out original for us. Nothing. But you. So, you... <laughs> You know, I think, to be fair, now I guess the question I have for um, Ayu Temi and Yomi, maybe I'll go with Ayu Temi first and then I'll go to Yomi, is as you guys are part of the community of the hackers in Nigeria and in Africa at large, um, do you think the com- this is something that the community can put its head to in regards to actually creating these tools? Uh... Okay, so I'll say the first thing is, first thing is, one, I think one of the most say, popular advice in crypto community is don't roll your own crypto. Don't? Why? <laughs> right? <laughs> so, wow. so, most of this yeah, you say what? No, I'm, I'm just saying like, wait, why, why not now? Why can't we create our own crypto? So, 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 so see, here, here is it, right? Uh... Okay, I think it, it came up from an old street slam, don't roll your own. I think it's don't roll your own bill or something, or don't roll your own bill or something. Slam. If there are people who already, their professionals doing it, right? I let them do it, don't reinvent the wheel. So, same thing with crypto. There are already cryptographic schemes uh, and standards that exist. People have built cryptographic applications, right? Uh, cryptographically secure applications, right? So, you just need to find the one that matches your use case and fits your threat model. And then you run with it, right? So let's say in Nigeria here that everybody uses WhatsApp for messaging, for calls. I think I do more, more uh, IM calls than, uh, see, than phone calls. And so since most people do that, yeah, you want something that, uh, if you're looking at a testing model, what can go wrong, uh, how, how you can go wrong and all that, right? Uh, WhatsApp, you want something that's similar as you respect to WhatsApp, mm-hmm. that has a bad set functionality and feel that people are already used to provide more uh, security functionality, right? A quick investment is Telegram and Signal. So you can answer, you can answer marking between trade-offs, marking out what feature uh, do they surpass WhatsApp in. And we know WhatsApp, yeah, across the board, all trade uh, WhatsApp tends to implement same end-to-end encryption for that Telegram and Signal uses. But that is for one-on-one chats, not for group chats. Yeah, I think I even saw on Twitter that um, I don't know if it was real, but somebody said that um, the anonymous group is on Telegram, and I was thinking, why would you put the link on Twitter? Because then anybody can join <laughs> the group. But um, yeah, me. So what, what's what's your point? Do you have any more to add to our discussion on crypto? <laughs> um, no, I don't think I have any other things to add. I totally agree with both of them. Don't create something that's already working. that's true i I think now since we're like in the topic of crypto 
and with the whole kind of like me in my observe observation seat i saw that um with the feminist coalition like when they trans when they decided to like move to crypto there was another organized organization or another group that were trying to collect money as well and their bank account got um kind of like cancelled i think as well so do you think that going forward because i know that feminist coalition they're no longer taking funds but if we were to restart something because this is i i believe that this movement is not going to stop now it's for the long haul do you think that the default setting should be only use crypto because that's the best way to get money not only from people in nigeria but from people in diaspora without the government getting involved or do you think that the government can still potentially get involved i think i am going to ask yummy and then sophie and then au tammy because you guys are all looking at me <laughs> okay um, i think crypto is um, a good way mm. to raise money without the government but then again what if what if what if there's no means to spend it? What if there's no exchange? What if the government bans all exchanges? Just thinking. I know it's not like 10% possible, but what if? Um, it's a good way for money to come in. Nobody's asking questions. Nobody is even seeing, except who is sending and who is receiving. But bank accounts, people can see. Banks can obviously retract the money or block your account like they did for the NSAS movement. So I think it's a good way, but I'm just saying, do we have a contingency plan in case the government um, maybe stops those LUNO from exchanging? Just what if? That's mm. yeah, a good point. So if you, what, what do you think? I think it can be the default um, payment plan. At least not now, maybe in 2050. Because <laughs> 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 there's still people, there are people who still want to like help and support you the way they can, and they only know how to use GT Bank or SS Bank and making transfers or through USSD codes as for people who maybe who don't have like mobile banking. So, but it's actually like for if we need to make it global and it has to be a global movement, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is definitely the way to go because that way everybody in nigeria the diaspora wherever you are you can actually chip in and like make your donations i felt really sad that i like i couldn't believe our government could like stoop very low to actually do that like blocking everything was the, the lowest of all lows like you can do everything really? but to protect people who are actually fighting for their rights like it, it was it was crazy and i actually watched what his name i'm Mr. Peter Sides in interview and he has actually run a bank for like quite a while I think he was like a CEO of a bank for a long time and he said like nobody has the right to actually close an account or suspend an account that has been operated legally so they were actually not in any right whether it's CBN or any bank GT access whatever they were they didn't have the right to actually suspend a bank so we can actually sue them or hold them accountable because how would you disrupt somebody's business or operation because you don't like whatever they are doing? It's it's wrong. So we like having to have a feminist coalition, like having to rely on cryptocurrency. You know that things have actually gone terrible, and Nigeria is like is they they, they, they need help. But this sort of um, what do you call it censorship resistant payment platform 
is I think that's the best way to go for like feature protests than anything that we need to when you need to, especially when you need like global corporations or you need support from the different sets of public and everything. It's well, all we probably have to do like it's you need to get a lot of sensitization out there. I know people were creating like mini videos on um, YouTube or on um, Instagram or on like Facebook on how to like set up your accounts, how to set up Bitcoin accounts, how to like make the transaction, how to create the wallet and all that. So if we can do a lot of that between now and anytime we always have like a protest and create like awareness, people will probably like adapt to it and it will, I think it might even help some way. I, sometimes I was thinking about it like this afternoon. I'm thinking like sometimes we might even it might help us in terms of this police and SAS thing because when when they ask you to open your <laughs> open your account and you, you show them that you don't have money in your in your in your Naira account or you don't have anything but not only that you have like maybe a Bitcoin wallet that has like one thousand dollars but you, I don't know if you have like <laughs> I don't know is it going to be possible don't store the money in your in your current when you're going out you don't store money in your current your normal account where you have it in your Bitcoin and whenever you want to you have Bitcoin wallet you gotta check on your crypto accounts check on the crypto apps they know all the crypto apps, all the brokerage mm. apps, you know, Bitcoin, you know all of them, right? So you take the open your brokerage app and then you transfer money to the Bitcoin wallets. There's a lot of people I know of, yeah. Yeah, it, it happened to me. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Just a few ways because I keep hearing the question is how can we in the diaspora help especially people in the UK what I will say is the first thing is to partake in protest so if you want to find out more on how you can get involved you can follow NSAS UK um, and that's their handle on Twitter to find out updates the second thing I would also recommend is to write to your MP so find out who your local MP is and send them a letter and you can use Write to Them website, urging your MP to condemn the brutality of Nigerians, um, especially their radical unrest that's going on right now. Third thing I will say, just to recap on what our extinguished speakers have said is to fact check everything, make sure you're focusing on um, looking at commendable sources. You know, I agree that we have to amplify the message, but please, please, please make sure that you fact check, fact check everything that you are looking at. And finally, sign petitions, but be careful and also please do read the petitions before you sign them. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's giving you an avenue to kind of understand a little bit more about the NSAS movement. But more important than that, I hope it teaches you tips on how you can increase your privacy and how you can protect yourself during this time um, that you are advocating for, whether it's NSAS or even what's going on in Africa right now. So thank you so much for listening. If you do want to follow us, you can follow us at www. Um, sedia.org and we also at sedia si on twitter and instagram um, it's been an honor to actually do this podcast and to learn more as well about the movement and ways in which we can all be safe online thank you for listening